You're listening to the IDP guys with Sean, John, and Nathan, the Wizards of Fantasy Football. Your go-to source for the individual defensive player strategy. And now, three guys who could only make an NFL team on Madden. All right, welcome to the IDP, guys. My name is Nathan. I'm joined with my co-host, John. Hello. And Sean. How's it going? Hey, guys. So we launched a website this Friday. Uh, went very successful. Give it a check out at idpguys.org. Uh, some great articles, and uh, we brought in some great writers. So definitely give it a give it a look. But with that, let's launch into the opening question. What under-the-radar IDP are you quietly targeting this season? Well, there are many that we've talked about over the course of the last few weeks. Uh, my favorite, though, that I it didn't even show up on this uh, sleeper bot mock we were doing, um, or he might have, but it was way down the list, uh, Jaquiski Tart, the strong safety out of the 49ers, uh, who played the first nine games last year and had like 70-something combined tackles at the end of that, and then got dinged and had to miss the rest of the season. But uh, I, if you guys, if anyone listened to us way the hell back then, you would have heard in our week in and week out reviews of the games, me mention his name a bunch of times as the leading tackler on the 49ers. And I think even though they got Jimmy G and uh, uh, who's the McKinnon, the running back there, so the offense will be probably a little better than what it overall was last year. There's still going to be plenty of touches uh, for the defense. And uh, Ruben Foster is probably going to go away for a while. So that, that opens the first few games for Tart to be the guy when it comes to tackles. And I think just being the strong safety at the 49ers is going to be great for him. And uh, I think he'll break probably like 100 combined tackles this year. Uh, who do you guys got? Hey, so you can go ahead, Sean. Uh, I like Micah Hyde this year. Um, just kind of going off your take from last week, um, just the Buffalo defense in general is always a good spot to own. And I feel like a lot of people are just – not targeting Micah Hyde, which is allowing him to fall a lot further than where I have him ranked. So I think he's somebody that I'm going to end up with in a bunch of different places just because I value him a little more than everybody else. Nice. Nice. I've actually got two guys I'm, I'm keeping an eye on, and these are more of my later round linebackers that I'm looking at for flyers. Um, they're two, uh, semi-unknown guys not really talked about too much um the first would be Raquan McMillan out of Miami um he came in last year as a rookie uh at that middle linebacker spot for uh the Dolphins and he got injured um right around the time that uh Tannehill went down so you know he, he didn't do much last year and now he's coming back um you know obviously uh, he's had time to heal and everything, getting in, into that offense or that defense. And, um, you know, I think that because he's got that that starting um, job and there were a lot of people that were high on him last year, I think that he can, uh, it was one of them. Yeah, he can come in, fit in well, and he, you know, um, could be a good chest, a good piece in that defense. Um, the other guy that I'm quietly targeting and I'm not really liking it, but he's got a starting job as of now unless he loses it but uh out of Arizona Josh Bynes um he's you know I've talked about him before being kind of a career backup um or a uh, rotational piece in the linebackers uh in the Lions 
and previous before that was the Ravens. But if he lands that starting job, um, he he'll be a middle linebacker in a four-three, uh, and just by that nature, will see some production. And so he's kind of like the flyer that I'm looking to take um, when I'm you know looking for either a backup linebacker or just you know my lower tier guys. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. What, so tell me about Raquan McMillan real quick, uh, um, Sean. Um, he was just a guy that I really thought was undervalued by the draft community last year. Um, he was somebody that I had pretty close to on par with Jared Davis, who went in the first round and ended up falling further than that. I think he might have fallen out of the second. I My memory is a little hazy there. But uh, coming out of Ohio State, I liked him a good deal, and I think that he's going to have a pretty good shot to put up some serious production this year. Right. And Miami, uh, oops, sorry. Miami offense isn't going to be great this year, I don't think, either, so that helps. Yeah, for yeah. sure. This week's news. Okay. Sorry, I'm not on the news page. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I don't even need to look at it. I already know what it is. Uh, so in um, water is wet type news, uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, defensive uh, tackle, I believe, David Irving. Uh, or is it Bruce Irving? Nope, David yep, Irving. David Irving suspended four games for <laughs> substance abuse policy by the NFL. Uh, this seems to happen to the Cowboys every single season, so I'm not surprised, especially the defensive line. Uh, sucks, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, any comments from you guys on that? <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't affect fantasy. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. If anything, it'll help Demarcus Lawrence and, uh, Taco Charlton maybe get some more production. So I don't know, not a terrible thing. Uh, really news light week this week. The only other thing was the Brady story on ESPN where he just basically said that, He's thinking more about his kids. He's going to retire, quote, sooner rather than later. Uh, Giselle's obviously been giving him some shit. Um, and, uh, you know, he sees the writing on the wall. But his, his, his previous statements before this was he wanted to play until he was 45, which is a couple more years. Uh, I just hope he retires, like, you know, soon. <laughs> Same. All right, this is the part of the show. Uh, I, I actually really like this part. This is where we talk about um, some players that were, you know, maybe higher on and lower on, um, but we pair two defensive players, um, two sets of defensive players, and then a set of offensive players, and we just talk about who we'd like more if we were looking at setting our lineup or drafting, um, and then after we talk about it, we send it out to you guys on Twitter to see what you're thinking, and then we'll talk about that. Um, so let's talk about last week's gut checks. Um, the first one is going to be a defensive one. Uh, we're talking about, uh, Texans linebacker, Bernardrick McKinney versus New York Jets linebacker, Darren Lee, uh, 70 votes, 57% went to McKinney. Yep. Uh, this certainly was going to be a close one. They had pretty similar production last year. McKinney. The year before last had, I think it was a buck 27 combined tackles and had 90 something last year. So he took a little bit 
of a downward uh, swing there. And uh, I went with Lee just because I think the Texans' offense is going to improve with Watson quite a bit, and uh, the Jets' offense is going to be hot dog shit. So uh, Darren Lee will be on the field constantly, be making plays, plays constantly. But uh, I think this one is close. You guys both went with McKinney, right? I believe so, yeah. I did, for sure. Yeah. So I think I disagreed with you on all of them on this one, John. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> doesn't happen often. Yeah. Uh, so the second one, which is an offensive one, uh, this was a hype check. Uh, San Francisco running back Jarek McKinnon versus Miami running back Kenyon Drake, 192 votes, 81% to Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, actually, we all agreed. We all went Drake on this one last week, remember? Yeah, and then we took the L on this one to, yeah. to Twitter, but we'll see how it plays out during season because I'm just not buying the Jarek McKinnon hype. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we think it'll be a committee before uh, the season's done. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the last one, which is defensive, obviously, uh, New York Jets safety Jamal Adams versus Seattle safety Earl Thomas. 109 votes on this, 66 to Jamal Adams. Yeah, that's surprising. Uh, you'd think everyone would go with the the veteran, the all pro Earl Thomas. Um, but you know, the Jamal Adams hype train was pretty, pretty well on the tracks last year. It looks like it's continuing. And I just took him simply because of the playing time thing. And cause now Earl Thomas is having these contract disputes and i mean i'm sure he'll be on the field and all that but uh it is slightly concerning um sean you went with uh, thomas though right yeah i'm not really worried about the contract stuff and this was a tough one for me because i absolutely love jamal adams i think he's a fantastic player um i just really have i trust the veteran here yep nice so johnny you want to take us through this week's gut checks sure Okay, so uh, we'll do offensive first, uh, and this is a couple guys that had very similar numbers last year. A little bit older veteran receivers here. First one is Demarius Thomas, wide receiver out of Denver. Played all 16 games, started all 16 games, had 83 receptions, 949 yards, five touchdowns, one loss fumble. Going against A.J. Green, wide receiver out of Cincy, played and started all 16 games, had 75 receptions, 1,078 yards, eight touchdowns, Two uh, fumbles lost, and I am going to go with A.J. Green just because he's never really screwed me, and Thomas has, uh, and that's a dumb reason, but it's what I'm sticking with. What do you guys got? I'm taking A.J. Green here as well. If you look at the Denver's offense um, and you look at what they've done there, so you have Demarius Thomas, you have Emmanuel Sanders. um, They added... Carlos Henderson last year who didn't get to play last year because of injury and he'll be back theoretically this year. Uh, Same goes for tight end Jake, Butt, which they had basically nothing to speak of from the tight end position last year. And if he can provide anything that's going to be taking away targets, um, then they added, uh, got him blanking on his name. Um, Yeah. Deshaun Hamilton, uh, they added another receiver this year, and then they also added Royce Freeman. So, you know, you're looking at a ton of people that they added to that offense, and it just kind of seems like they're getting ready for the next wave, just trying to add as many pieces as possible to keep get the offense in a good position to kind of weather um, Demarius Thomas's age. And I just think there's a ton of people that they're going to want to try and get involved, and that's just not going to end well for somebody who's going to be basing their production on volume. Yep. Nice. Who you, who you got, Nate? 
Um, so both of these names, uh, have, I have history with at least, um, Demarius Thomas. Uh, I remember back when Peyton Manning was playing there, Demarius Thomas was a good wide receiver to have since then. Uh, not so much, at least in my opinion. Um, I'm sure other people have different opinions, but I know that I've been kind of let down by him, uh, on a week to week basis before. Uh, whereas AJ green, I've had him on teams and I do enjoy him on teams. Um, he does have the downside of some inopportune injuries that have come up in the past. Um, some of them when he's on my team, um, not helping me obviously. And then the one major point that always he, he sticks in my head because, um, I use him as a, uh, uh, a way of making fun of Steve, our, our buddy Steve, because I played him in the championship game and I had two points. I was two points ahead with no one else to go. He had AJ Green left in the last game. AJ Green came in. All he had to do was catch one ball, got injured. I won the championship. So AJ Green will be forever marked as, you know, my savior for that, that season. Um, but I'm going AJ Green on this one because I, I do trust him, even though he has those um, inopportune uh, injuries. Wasn't it last year? Uh, is it him or I'm thinking? Oh, I'm thinking of uh, Devonte Adams got that nasty concussion. Yeah, that was Adam. But so yeah, AJ Green. Okay. Uh, start of the two defensive. Uh, first one, couple linebackers. Eric Kendricks, linebacker out of Minnesota, started and played all 16 games. Had 67 solo, 46 assists, one sack, six pass defenses. One pick and one touchdown. Going against Kiko Alonso, a linebacker out of Miami. He's the weak side linebacker in their 4-3. 16 games played, 16 games started, 79 solo tackles, 36 assists. One sack, one pass defense, two forced fumbles. And this one is stupid easy for me. Kiko Alonso, just because of the offenses involved, Minnesota's offense should improve under Kirk Cousins, especially getting Dalvin Cook back. Their defense is going to spend less time on the field. Miami's defense is going to spend all their time on the field. So I'm going Kiko Alonso. I'm going to agree with you on that one for all the reasons you just said. Um, I will say that Raekwon McMillan coming back is going to hurt him. And I don't know how I feel about that, but I still am going to lean towards situation here. Yeah. So I'm going to go Kiko Alonso and looking at the Brown situation uh, from last year, I, I would not put the dolphins anywhere near an Owen 16 season, but I would say that, you know, not improving on offense and kind of going backwards um, does allow your defense to support more linebackers. So I think that bringing in Raekwon McMillan, um, it will hurt Kiko Alonso, but I don't think it's going to hurt him as much as we might think just due to the fact that, that offense is probably going to stall and they're going to have a lot of opportunities. So Kiko Alonzo, final answer. Yeah. I mean, they're going to work in Fitzpatrick to make it Fitzpatrick. So that might hurt a little bit, but uh, there should be more than enough production to go around. Okay. Last one pair of defensive tackles, Gerald McCoy, defensive tackle out of Tampa Bay played and started 15 games last year Had 33 solos, uh, 14 assists, six sacks, one pass defense, uh, it's too bad I couldn't get tackle for losses because that's defensive tackles. That's really the number I've been looking at, you know, going into this year. Uh, going against Fletcher Cox, uh, defensive tackle out of Philly last year, 
played and started 14 games, had 26 solo tackles, 15 assists, five and a half sacks, two pass defense, one forced fumble. Uh, I think I'm going to go Fletcher Cox because, mm, you know what, this one, this one's basically a toss-up for me, but I feel like Tampa Bay's defensive line got more help in the offseason, and Quan's going to be healthy, and uh, Levante David's going to be healthy. Um, and it just the defensive line is going to have so much talent on it. It's it's going to be harder maybe for him to get tackles. I don't know. This is a coin flip, though. What do you guys think? Yeah, so I'll I'm, go on. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Oh, um, no, after you. After you, Nate. Sure. <laughs> little latency, little, little I'll, lag. I'll just but... take the back seat here. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to agree with you that it's kind of a coin flip in my mind. Um, I want to go Fletcher Cox uh, just because I think that He's uh, he f- to me feels a little more trusted, and that's kind of where this whole gut check thing comes into play. This is just a gut decision, and Fletcher Cox for me. Um, after you, Sean, uh, I'm definitely going Gerald McCoy here. Um, if we're talking talent on the defensive line, Philadelphia's front seven is ungodly. Um, I mean, we just we saw what their defensive line could do last year, and it to me, it doesn't even compare in terms of what they're able to do versus what Tampa is able to do. I know that Tampa got a little more help, but I just, I don't know. Um, and also I think that he's the superior player to Cox as well. Yep. And we'll throw those at Twitter and see what everyone thinks. Guest. All right, we're joined today by Brian Dorario, uh, also known as at Brian DFF on Twitter. Uh, Brian, how are you doing? I'm great, guys. Uh, just happy to be here. Yeah, great, great. We're glad to have you on. Uh, we launched a website on Friday, and Brian is one of our writers. Brian, give us a little background into uh, your fantasy football history and uh, just kind of what made you want to become, you know, I guess a, a fantasy football, football and analyst. And, and I didn't fuck up your name, but I fucked up the word of <laughs> analyst. Analyst. The word, analyst. The analyst. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. There you go. All right. So um, I've been playing fantasy football pretty much on and off uh, from 2007 till now. I uh, got really into it in college because uh, I didn't really have anything better to do. And that's when I started dipping my toe into writing and, kind of, you know, getting really into the industry and following people. And uh, I decided to take a shot. So uh, as we know, you and I work together with mm-hmm. uh, at F3 pod, the fantasy football franchise, and uh, you were looking for some writers. And uh, I thought I'd, you know, take a different look into IDP. You guys are concentrating on IDP, which I think is cool. And it's something I want to dip my toe into because regular fantasy is getting not boring, but you know, you play it for so long and it's just, you know, you're looking for a different wrinkle, sort of like dynasty or a couple of years ago with PPR. So I, uh, I'm going to take my writing. I have no IDP experience and I'm just going to kind of take it from the perspective of someone who doesn't know anything. And I'm mm-hmm. going to kind of get my information from you guys, from our other writers and, uh, write about things that people who've never played IDP would want to know so that, you know, we could kind of be a welcoming community because I think it could be intimidating for someone who's never done it before. doesn't have any experience. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, this falls right in line with our philosophy with the podcast and now with the website. We've always, you know, one thing was we wanted to reflect what we looked for in IDP media as far as like, we weren't seeing the articles and the information um, out there that, you know, we would be looking for as more veterans. But then thinking about it too, it's like we've played in, John and I have played in leagues where there's been like, the wrong setups for IDP and like people just don't know too much about how to really get into it. And, and, and they'll dip their foot in with like a single IDP player on their league, which, you know, isn't really playing it. So um, I, I like your perspective. I like, I think you're going to be an asset to, you know, our audience and everything. And so you wrote an article for us that, that went with our launch. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So it's uh, IDP questions for beginners. So I asked a few guys. I asked John. I asked you, Nate, even though you decided not to answer me. <laughs> hey, man, I was launching a site. <laughs> uh, I asked one of our writers, Rob. I asked Gary, our new featured writer. And uh, I just kind of asked them a couple of general questions of things that, again, like resources you can't find online. It was literally me Googling these questions and nothing coming up and it being like, okay, well, I have no clue how to start. And uh, we were doing a mock draft and I was sitting there and saying, I have literally no knowledge. I have, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I, uh, I just thought it was some questions that would be, you know, the perfect start into, you know, the knowledge building. Yeah. Well, and that's something that to me, like is honestly one of the most valuable things that you can give the IDP community because like it's still definitely much definitely in its infant stages where you know IDP is the next thing it's not quite the thing right now it's the next thing and so there's really this huge divide in the community that's keeping it from growing into what it could be where something like something like PPR, that's very easy to understand. Something like Dynasty, it's, it's a little harder to understand, but the understanding is right in front of you. With something like IDP, where you're looking at players that you've never used in fantasy before, like you need a jumping off point. And the people that are writing about this stuff are obviously the people that have been doing it for years, and they're writing it for other people who have been doing it for years. So for people who are starting, there just aren't any good resources to look at and that's why like to me this is such an important series that you're doing because all those people that are like you that are out there trying to just like dip their toes in and get into it like it's so overwhelming to try and like just look on google and find anything you can about the entire format and just coming across stuff you don't understand because you don't have that groundwork laid yeah and i think it's honestly what's going to happen is eventually we're just going to be fantasy is going to become you're just going to be a gm of a team like it's going to be ultra <laughs> dynasty you're just going to have a full team of players because that's what it is i mean think about it i see some dynasty idp um teams and it's literally like a 40-man roster and so soon i think with now they have salary leagues and contract leagues and this so i think it's just people with the add age of us like we always want to be playing with our fantasy lineups and we always want to be doing something new with our teams and we can't just let it sit. So I think it's just going to be, I think IDP is the next step towards just basically owning your own team. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah, for sure. So give us a little taste of uh, your article. You, you, 
said you had some questions. Um, you know, I, I'm willing to give you my takes now, you know, now that oh, it's yeah. <laughs> thanks now. Now, now. now. The, so um yeah, so I'm gonna pull a couple questions from the article. You guys just give me your opinions. Obviously, things are situational and there's no black and white answer, but just kind of give me an idea. Um, I think this is the biggest question I have. So when you're doing a draft where you have offensive players and defensive players, and we're let's just assume that you have a full IDP roster. It's not just one IDP roster spot. Um, when do you guys usually start drafting ID, IDP players? Like I said, when it's including offensive guys. Right. So I'll go first since I, I didn't answer. And um, this is something that we've talked about before on this podcast, which, you know, it's it's always great to rehash some things because people miss stuff. Um, since we just launched a site, we'll probably got a lot of new listeners. So um, basically... My philosophy is to fill out my starting offensive line, uh, depending on scoring. You know, obviously everything is dependent on, you know, where the most um, uh, impact players are. And generally, in as a standard, offensive players are your impact scorers at the top. You know, your tier one and tier two players. Generally, um, your IDPs come in effect probably like at the end of tier two of offense is that is that about right john uh yeah i mean it, it depends on the situation right right with scoring it also de- it also depends on how you break your tiers too where like mm-hmm. if you're saying at the end of tier two you know if your running back tiers are like Gurley, zeke bell and uh david johnson and that's tier one and then your next tier is like another set of four or five running backs like it's going to be a little further back than tier two probably yeah very true but like so you think about it as like um, a general um, roster. You got your quarterback. You've got uh, two to three wide receivers, probably two running backs, a tight end, and maybe a couple flex positions. Um, I want to get you know my uh, my running backs. Most of my probably the two running backs because that's in this um, age of the NFL, running backs are pretty valuable. Um, as far as the impact they have on on fantasy, um, wide receivers as well. Um, I know that you know in the last what year or two we've kind of had a boon at running back, so there's a lot more uh, to choose from. So you can kind of like get a running back, then get a wide receiver or whatnot. However, you do your you know like zero wide receiver, zero running back um, type strategies. You know you go with that. Um, and then, you know, as you start looking at your, your backups, your bench spots, um, you, you know, your IDPs are going to be more valuable than having a backup running back that's going to sit on your bench. So that's kind of when I, I make the transition over and I'll, I'll get, especially if there's really valuable guys like, um, Rashad Jones, Landon Collins, those guys are kind of where I start targeting first and, Usually I want to be the guy that gets them. Um, So I'll try right around after I've got the majority of my um, team team set up. You know, obviously I I usually punt quarterbacks towards the end because there's so many um, that kind of are bunched together that you can get a good, you know, quarterback in the the mid rounds of an IDP um, mixed league. Um, so I'll do that. I, so I, I'd probably put it around like 
round six, but that also depends on if someone takes a, a IDP early and it starts a run. So you got to kind of be situational with it. Yeah. So, so you're telling me, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I was just going to so, say, so you're telling me that Quan Alexander, I shouldn't have took him over Landon Collins. Damn. It depends. It really depends. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But anyway, continue. But yeah, Um, so for me, like, I always draft in tiers. Like, I'll still rank guys out because obviously, like, there are definitive rankings in fantasy where I would rather have this player than this player. But, like, I draft in tiers. So, you know, if I have a tier of five players as my flex spot, right? Um, like that's what's available to me in this next tier of players that are coming. And I've only got four picks till my next pick. I might grab an IDP player there because I know that coming back around, I'll still get somebody in that tier. So for me, like I'm always paying attention to how many players are left in the tier that I'm targeting, given how many picks until my next pick. Cause I want to make sure that I, get somebody within the tier that I'm aiming for. So, you know, if, if you know that you're not going to be able to get that flex spot or that backup running back that you think you want, then I might wait another round on, on a IDP player. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll go to the next question. Um, so what position do you usually target first? Um, I know just from talking to you guys, some people mentioned that, like you said, so there's, depending on your format, DB slash safety, you got Landon Collins, Rashad Jones. Um, I see Joey Bosa was taken first in our draft. Um, so when you go to the draft, what position, obviously it's player dependent, just like, you know, if Todd Gurley, Zeke and all of them are gone, you're sitting there and then you take, you know, DeAndre uh, Hopkins. But um, what, uh, what, positions do you guys usually target first and what do you think maybe is the more valuable positions especially like ones you need more depth with Mm -hmm. um so with this it's basically you're looking at the drop off uh at a position so with like defensive backs safeties um if, if you have a db position you're drafting a safety so you're landon collins rashad jones Um, there's a little bit of a drop off, you know, what, like, uh, fourth or fifth, uh, safety down. Whereas with a defensive line, you're generally taken to like a defensive end in that position. And that also has a bit of a drop off. But now if you have a league where it breaks out and you have defensive tackles, defensive line, cornerback safeties, um, there's like two or three defensive tackles that get a consistent um, high amount of points because of their tackles. Um, that's like your Snacks Harrison. Um, I'm trying to think of like and Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. Though, didn't he just yeah, change a, into an end? end this year? Yeah, um, and, which kind of devalues him a little bit by putting him into that another one of my picks (laughs) (laughs) um so you you look at where the drop-offs are and you want and and like your linebackers you might have you know two or three linebackers which score the highest but there's so many linebackers that are relevant that score pretty close to like the top guys 
that you, you know, that would be like your quarterback where you can kind of wait um, where you're like, um, say like a tight end position, you got Gronkowski and then it's a drop off. Um, that's kind of like this equivalent with uh, the defensive tackle. So depending on the positions you have, you kind of want to look at, you know, where's the, where's the drop off who I can get. Um, so, you know, I would be drafting a high, high level safety, you know, like Rashad Jones, Landon Collins, or a high level defensive tackle, um, or possibly defensive end like Joey Bosa. Um, I'm trying to remember. He's an end out of, out of, uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Los Angeles. Not San Diego anymore. (laughs) They're gone. (laughs) But, uh, so, you know, those are the guys that I'm looking at, you know, previous years, this, that would have been like JJ Watt, you know, would have been the number one guy because of just the amount of, uh, production he would do. But now that he's kind of gone to the wayside due to injury and, and, um, lack of playing, um, he, you know, there, there's different, there's a lot of different, um, people to be looking at for that first spot. So I hope that so answered. the other thing worth noting here is that do you ever play super flex leagues? Yeah. My new right. favorite thing. Right. Okay. So if you look at a super flex league, what you're looking at is it raises the value of quarterback significantly. And while they're very different positionally, the same thing sort of happens with linebackers and IDP leagues because Basically, like if you're only playing with a couple of limited linebacker spots, you can basically treat linebackers like you would quarterbacks in one quarterback leagues a lot of times because like there's enough linebackers that produce at a high level that you don't really have to worry about getting one of the top producers and you're better off getting them at other positions. But the more linebackers that you add to the equation, um, even just adding flex positions to the equation ends up uh adding more linebackers because generally they score the most points so you want to use those spots for linebackers and basically the more linebacker available spots that you add to your idp the more valuable linebackers become because there's a further drop off between the top linebacker and the bottom linebacker of what's drafted if that makes sense yeah, that uh, just to you know jump on top of that, you know, you might be in a league where you have two linebackers and three flex spots. That's essentially a five linebacker league. Right. So if you're looking at that, like if you even if you're looking at more than that, like linebackers are far more valuable than they would be if you're sitting at just a two linebacker no flex league because the difference between the number, like if it's a 12 team league and you only have two linebackers, the difference between, you know, the top linebackers and the number 24 linebacker may not be that significant, but if you add in two more linebackers, the difference between number 48 and number one is significantly bigger. So you're looking at a lot more value placed on that position versus where it would be otherwise. Sure. All right. Um, yeah, you guys, so I was going to ask, uh, about streaming positions, but obviously you just answered that. So I'll give you this. What um, positions do you need backups in? And what can you, obviously we just talked about linebackers being able to be streamed, but um, what, so what positions do you typically have backups? And then what positions, you know, do you kind of keep light on your bench? Because obviously that's another thing too, you know, 
Some people don't know how many corner or whatever defensive backs to take. Some people don't know how many defensive line to take. So what's typically, you know, what does your roster look like? Like for me, I personally stack up on running backs, depending on how strong my two starters are and grab like a few lower end, um, wide receivers. But so what do you guys usually like to do with your bench spots? Because there's probably a limited amount with IDP. Uh, let me just cut and cut in real quick here. Uh, if you guys go read the article on idpguys.org, I'm uh, the featured answer on most of them. So I'll just be quiet <laughs> for the rest of this. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. Look Johnny. at you, John. Big, <laughs> big man, big uh, man. Hey, I, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Go, yeah. No, go ahead, Nate. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and yeah, Did, wait, hold on. Did you just jump in just to tell us that you were the future yeah, answer right, and then give right. no answer? No. Yeah. I don't need to go read the article. <laughs> he just wanted right. to rub his nuts, you know, oh, just kind of sure. all yeah, over okay, our faces dude. real quick. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> as far as what I generally do, um, I don't have a whole lot of, uh, bench defenders i do have you know they're like cornerbacks if that's a position that you need to fill um you want to kind of stream those and have a couple options so you want to look at that and definitely have a couple on your bench um as See, and i wouldn't i wouldn't have any cornerbacks on my bench just because well it's I think corner specific spot we're talking yeah about. corner specific yeah. if you have to right, start a but, corner right Right, but they're such low producers in general that like the difference between someone that you're going to be streaming and someone you're going to be starting is a lot less than it would be for you know a top defensive end. Well, it's mainly because it's matchup specific. So you want to be able to grab um, a specific corner based on the matchup. If you've got um, like a a corner going against a team that is pass heavy. Um, versus right, so a team that would, that would be, be the ideal spot for streaming though. That's what I'm saying. You would be streaming. Oh, so, so, so you just need options to have options. So other people aren't taking them. See, and I guess for me, like in that situation, I'm just going through and you know, if I'm streaming cornerback, I'm looking at free agency and I'm finding the one with the best, the best situation because you know, the difference between six points and zero is obviously Mm -hmm. or six points and two points is obviously a lot less than the difference between 14 and two points, you know? Right. Right. And it, it's one of those positions that you're kind of constantly churning to. It's kind of at the bottom of your roster. So like I would have my starting corners. We'll say there's two. I'll have one on my bench for an option and then I'll be checking the uh, waiver wire and maybe I drop that corner to pick up another, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's kind of like uh the uh, team defense almost where you're constantly streaming, constantly trying to like, right. But do you keep a backup team defense? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Never. All ID, uh, all ID uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. No, that's just a wasted roster. No, no, no. I'm talking about the um, all IDP league. What are you talking about? A mixed league? No, he's, so I'm, I'm just talking like, about if like, you have a team defense. Do you keep, would you, if you're playing just an offensive league with a team defense and kicker, do you keep a backup team defense or kicker? No, no, no. You just stream that. Oh, right. Yeah, and yeah. that's what, oh, okay, that's yeah. what I was getting at is that mm -hmm. Nate was comparing it to team defense and I'm using okay, that as evidence as to why I wouldn't. 
Well, right. So like for I, me, I know why you're saying that ahead. though. I know why you're saying that though. We were in an all IDP league last year, which was weird because it had some team defense too. It had like two team defense spots. And <laughs> we had to do that so, as well as all IDP. Yeah. It was really strange. Yeah. So see, okay. So for me, what I'm looking at is like, what you're trying to do is maxim or like, I guess, minimize the losses when your guys go on bye weeks with mm-hmm. backups. Cause even like, you know, in offensive leagues, like generally you have a couple of players where you're looking at the matchups and you're switching between the two, but you have your, you, you play your best guys generally. Like yeah. that's just usually the way it works. And then you have your backups for essentially if somebody's not playing well for an extended period of time, if someone gets hurt or bye weeks, stuff like that. So for me, if you're in a league where, you know, you're starting two linebackers and you have two flex spots, which are essentially two more linebackers, what you want for backups are more linebackers because you're basically filling in four spots there. And not only are you filling in four spots, but you're, there's going to be the most potential points there where you don't like you can stream linebackers for sure. You definitely can, but you want to have at least one backup that you can put in there and be confident that they can produce so that if somebody goes on a bye week, you don't have to stream linebackers. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, it does. That Um, was where I was going to go with after the cornerback thing, because that's really the two positions that I look at um, that I want to have any, you know, kind of depth just the cornerbacks because of the the need to like have options, which I might play a little more conservative than you guys. Um, I, I guess it's, I'm, I'm outing myself as a bad offensive fantasy football player for having a, a team defense on my, on my bench. Um, but you know, when I get a, you know, uh, a, like a Rams defense and then I might, pick like a, you know, this has been in the past, like a lion's defense on my bench that I could flop in. Um, so there you have it. I'm better That's at IDP ugly, than. That's ugly. <laughs> very ugly. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, I guess I just want to pose this question then about the whole cornerbacks thing. So Nate, like in one of your leagues uh, with one of your scorings, what does your average, what does the average cornerback produce for you on a weekly basis? I mean, it, it's really in my leagues. I usually just have the um, the defensive back. I don't generally play it, with corners. If but... you had to use them, though, it would probably be like two or three pass defenses, a couple tackles. So like five, six points. Yeah, most. five or six points. Right. Yeah. So I guess my point there then is by playing the matchup, like by keeping a backup, right? Like if you started no cornerback, you're going to just lose about six points per week. So if you go and you stream a cornerback, you don't keep a backup and you just go and you pick one up off the waiver wire when you need to play them, mm-hmm. your worst case scenario is losing six points. You know what I mean? Where like, if you do the same with a defensive end, like say you have a Joey Bosa who puts up 14 points, right? Mm-hmm. If you go and you pick up someone off the waiver wire, to stream on a bye week for Joey Bosa, or if Joey Bosa goes down with an injury and you have to pick someone up off the waiver wire, there's a lot more potential for loss there than there is with the cornerback position where they're not putting up many points in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really seem like a valuable asset to have on your team 
to just keep someone on your bench to play to save you six points, you know? It's, yeah. It's like, I'll say, I'll say like this to people who are offensively, you know, like offensive fantasy, you know, they know their stuff. It's similar to like Sean saying with the difference between some of the higher end quarterbacks, you know, they score maybe like 30, 40 points on a really good week, but most of them score anywhere between like 12 to 20. So if you have Blake Bortles and you just punted quarterback, the difference between you're Blake not going to have Blake Bortles and then keep Ryan Tannehill on your bench. You're wasting a bench spot. Whereas you could have a backup running back that could, you know, get a job or something like that. But, um, you well, know, the I, difference I, between their points is so, so minimal. Like Sean said, mm-hmm. the points you're losing is so little that it's pointless to have wasted that bench spot where you could have somebody else on there who yeah. could potentially score more which, points. So to which jump goes in back here. to Nate's point from a little bit ago, which is punting quarterback to the later rounds, right. which is something right. that you do already. Nate. Yeah. So just to jump in here, if, if I'm starting a cornerback spot, I'm picking the best cornerback first, which is probably going to be someone that plays a multi position. So like uh, Desmond King, who um, I don't know if he's, he's still a cornerback, right? Or is he's he still a cornerback safety? eligible? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So he's cornerback eligible, but he sometimes lines up in that safety spot. Um, so he gets more safety points, which puts him at like the 10 or so. So if I've got him, then there's a big drop off. And so I want to make sure, and I have like a decent corner on my bench to kind of swap in there. If I've missed the boat on him and I've got two crappy, you know, cornerbacks. Yeah, no, I'm not going to keep a bench spot, but okay. But if, but if you're drafting Desmond King, you're starting Desmond King every week, right? Like if you're drafting Except for his bye week, you're, Yes. Okay, but then you're drafting a bench player for one <laughs> wow. for one week, you know? Well, like, you know what I'm saying. Like, I guess that's what I'm getting around. at is that I want good options. I guess that's, okay, but I guess that's what I'm getting at is that you don't ever want to have something on your roster that you're going to use for one week. Um, like any at the back end of my bench on offensive stuff, I'm taking guys that could potentially like they're flyers with upside where they could potentially earn a spot somewhere else. Because, you know, if I have a Todd Gurley, I'm starting Todd Gurley every week, except for one, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the end of that. So like for me, anybody, any other backup running backs that I'm drafting, I'm drafting with the upside potential rather than looking at it as somebody that I'm going to start over Todd Gurley, if that makes sense. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Um, so I figure just to wrap this up, I'm going to give, so between the podcast and the article, I'm just going to give a few things that I learned that I think are like really important to new players. I think knowing your league settings is huge. I know like for offensive fantasy, there's very set. There's not really a lot of variance. I mean, you could play in some really obscure leagues, but for the most part, there's PPR, half point PPR, super flex. But there's not really a ton of variance in terms of points. But for IDP, it seems like it can go 100 different ways. And there's not really one set way of doing it. So I think knowing your league settings is huge. Um, I think not overvaluing defensive players is big, too. I think those really good offensive players are going to set the foundation for your team. And you're not, you know, again, like you guys said, you're not going to take... Uh, a Joey Bosa or, you know, a Rashad Jones, you know, number one in your draft because you're just going to lose so much value at every other position. And um, 
I just think that, uh, you know, you're like you guys said, you got to really dial yourself in for IDP. I think more importantly than offensive, especially since there's less news. I think there's so many players. Um, we were just talking before uh, before we went on and Johnny said how, you know, on Sleeperbot that some of the players are ranked like in the thousands that are startable every week. So you really just need to do your own research and come up with your own conclusions and make sure you're following the right people. <laughs> I think you guys. Uh, <laughs> nice plug. Nice plug. I like it. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, Brian. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Brian, Brian, what's your, what's your real what's team? What's what, what team do you like? Oh, so I like the Patriots. Oh, God. God. Damn it. So, did you read families my... from Boston? And can we, no, can we cut this out of the episode? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it just went so well. Like, <laughs> I'm, really, I'm sorry, really Brian. Bad. We're gonna have to let you go. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, nice working for you. Uh, now I'm a freelance writer. So. Yeah. <laughs> looking for work. Nah, Nate, Nate wrote for them last year, right? I, yeah, I did. Yeah. I, uh, full press coverage, Patriots. Uh, I did their injury report because I just would get a chuckle. Jesus Christ. Jerk. Uh, But all right, Brian, um, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Everyone out there, make sure and follow him on Twitter. He is at Brian DFF. He's one of our star writers. um, And he will will have (laughs) content on the website, as well as you can uh, see his stuff on uh, the fantasy football franchise or at F3 pod. Um, Thanks, Brian. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. Great. All right. Let's uh, take a different look and go into Sean's weekly NFL draft segment. Where are you taking us this week, Sean? Uh, We're staying in the AFC North. We're going to do the other half of that since we uh, could only do half of it last week since there's a lot going on here in the AFC North. Um, So we did Pittsburgh and Baltimore last week. We're going to do Cincinnati and Cleveland this week. so looking at Cincinnati, um, big problem with their running game last year was that they weren't really getting any push from the offensive line. Uh, so they added uh, Billy Price right off the bat, and that should immediately help uh, both Geo and Mixon uh, going into the next year. So hopefully this will be a little bit of a spark for them that gets Joe Mixon rolling. So I do still believe that he's a really talented running back that just didn't succeed in the situation he was in last year. Um, then they, uh, they drafted Jesse Bates, who I think is a really good football player. Uh, he plays safety. I think that he's probably a better football player than he's going to be IDP option just because he's more of a cover safety. He's not the best tackler. So, um, someone to keep an eye on just cause he was a high draft pick. Uh, but I don't foresee him having huge IDP implications this year. Um, Sam Hubbard plays defensive end. Uh, he's pretty good athlete, high effort. Uh, he needs work on his technique, but he like the high effort is what stands out with him. Um, he was at some points during the offseason talked as a first round pick and definitely fell out of that range. Um, but he's somebody who that high effort, if he can get on the field and play, that's the type of thing that leads to higher tackle numbers for defensive line. So um, probably more of a dynasty stash than anything, but keep an eye. Uh, Malik Jefferson, linebacker, he's a lot more projection than he is production. Uh, he's in a good situation, um, but he's not particularly instinctive or a good tackler. He's more of an athlete, um, but that can sometimes, 
uh, project to good IDP numbers just because they get picked on in the passing game. And, you know, he's definitely somebody who I could see playing the Mike linebacker position and getting put in a position where he'll get tackles regardless of his uh, instincts. Um, so definitely keep an eye on that, especially given Cincinnati's linebacker situation with perfect and uh, the odds of him getting suspended at some point. Uh, Mark Walton uh, is a running back. He has potential, but he's just going to be buried on that uh, in that running back group. So basically his, his path to playing time is going to be if Giovanni Bernard goes down because he catches the ball well, and I can see him kind of slipping into that role if Gio goes down. Um, then you have uh, Andrew Brown, who's actually a like pretty good penetrator for someone of his size. He's a good size and strength guy. He's pretty good at stuffing the run, so he's someone that I honestly didn't think he'd fall as far in the draft as he did. He'll probably start as a rotational piece, but you know he's only an injury away from getting some significant playing time and being the type of player that could put up consistent numbers for you. Uh, if you're looking at like a defensive tackle um, type of role, uh, if you have like if you have that for your IDP rosters, then he might be someone to look at if there's some injuries or if he shines early. Um, and then the last one for Cincinnati is Auden Tate. Um, I really liked him in the process. He had a pretty poor combine, like really poor combine. Um, but his draft capital just really kills him. He's somebody that I'm not going to draft really anywhere, probably even in dynasty, just because he's still getting drafted higher than what I'm willing to risk on somebody with his draft capital. Uh, but if he hits the waiver wires and redraft and stuff like that, it's definitely someone that I'm going to have on my watch list because at least in my opinion, he's talented enough, if not athletic enough, uh, to be able to make some splashes, especially in the red zone and in those short yarded situations and stuff. So he might carve out a role for himself sooner rather than later and just be one of those guys that kind of works his way into the game flow as the season goes on. So he'll be somebody that I'd like put on the watch list almost immediately when we start the season. So then uh, moving on to Cleveland here, uh, you obviously have the number one overall pick, uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, I absolutely love Baker Mayfield. Anybody who knows me or follows me on Twitter knows that I'm a huge, huge, huge Baker Mayfield fan. Um, That said, I don't ever like rookie quarterbacks in redraft. I just think there are a lot better options and most rookie quarterbacks struggle. Um, so if we're talking redraft, he won't be on any of my teams. If we're talking dynasty, I probably value him a little more than most people. So if I'm drafting like back end of the first round, you know, like very back end or early part of the second, um, I'm probably willing to take a shot on him a little earlier than most people there. Um, Denzel Ward, uh, we've talked about a good amount on this, uh, podcast plays cornerback. He might get picked on, um, the issue with him is he's not super aggressive versus the run. Um, so that's going to be kind of a balancing act where we got to see how it plays out in the first couple of weeks where, you know, getting picked on might help his tackling numbers, but ideally you want to find a cornerback who gets up there and gets in people's face in the run and plays aggressive in that way. And he just really isn't that player. So he may just end up being a cover corner that doesn't ever really end up being anybody who's IDP relevant and basically becomes less relevant as he gets more experienced. Um, Nick Chubb, uh, running back out of Georgia. I really like him. 
he's kind of in a bad, he's in a very bad situation for redraft where he's got Carlos Hyde and he's got Duke Johnson um, that basically can take up, uh, take up targets in the passing game and take up shares of the running game. So I won't be touching him anywhere in redraft um, in dynasty. I like him more, but the Browns just re-signed uh, or just signed Duke Johnson to an extension, which kind of kills his PPR value for the foreseeable future. Um, I'd have to look into the contract details and see how long that actually goes for, but, or how long it is before, you know, they can actually cut Duke Johnson with zero cost, but you know, running back shelf life are short. So I don't know, just anything that's going to take away from his immediate value hurts his dynasty value. So um, Nick Chubb definitely lost uh, in the draft, in my opinion. Um, Chad Thomas plays defensive end. Um, he's a run stopper, which is good. He'll get the tackles, uh, but he is playing on a really deep defensive line. He was a little bit later of a draft pick, so I don't see him as being relevant this year. Even if there are injuries, they have a lot of options there, so he's probably someone I'm just avoiding across the board, even though I do really like him as a player. Um, two, the next two are really interesting to me. Antonio Callaway. As a super talented player with a lot of question marks surrounding his personality and everything that comes with this. Um, he doesn't have great hands, but he is just an immediate threat to be a deep threat uh, in that offense. So definitely someone to pay attention through preseason. He could be redraft relevant very early, um, especially given Corey Coleman's struggles and the fact that Jarvis Landry is probably more suited to the slot than he is outside receiver. You could be seeing somebody else slip into those receiver roles for the Browns. So um, he's definitely somebody that I'm intrigued by in both redraft and dynasty um, redraft. He's still going to be a probably waiver wire watch list type of guy, but definitely keep an eye out for him. Um, and then Jannard Avery, uh, they have a lot of linebackers on their team, but he's a high effort tackler. Uh, he plays instinctively. He can rush the passer. He can do a lot of different things. And he fell further in the draft than I thought he would, but they still did invest in him. So I think that he's somebody who is not going to start the season as a starter, but those Browns linebackers can be valuable. And I think even though their value took a dip this year, if he can find a way into a starting role, like a consistent starting role. He's going to produce there. Cause I do think he's talented and I do think it's still a good situation. So that's what I got for the rest of the AFC North. Nice. Article deep dive. Alrighty, so we're going to take a look at a article that was posted. Uh, this is coming from our new website, uh, idpguys.org. From a familiar name, uh, Gary Van Dyke. He has come over from Cleek Geeks to be our featured writer uh, for the website. And you can find him on Twitter at hbogart27. John, what article are we listening or t- taking a look at today as I stumble through my words? Sorry. <laughs> We're used to it. Yep. <laughs> yep. So uh, all three of us and uh, most of the writers on the idpguys.org site are doing this mock draft where uh, we're, we're drafting all IDP teams. And uh, 
Something that a few of us have noticed is that the ADP is all kinds of screwed up on it. Like, uh, their guys, it, like uh, Wesley Woodyard is 1,707th best IDP player, according to this thing. And Gary noticed this, too. That's why he, he wrote this article about early IDP, ADP, um, shit, that's a, that's a mouthful, uh, kind of scenarios and situations. And he went through some of the ones that piqued his attention. Uh, I just wrote down some of the ones that got my attention. So the first part we're going to talk about is the My Fantasy League uh, ADPs for all IDP players. Uh, and the first thing that I saw was Roquan Smith is the seventh overall linebacker being taken right now. That's absolutely batshit insane. I, I don't care if it's Dynasty or not. Like, I mean, it, okay, if it's Dynasty and you have to take rookies, I understand that. But that shouldn't be enough to sway the entire ADP of Roquan Smith down to number seven overall for all linebackers in IDP. That's fucking nuts. Uh, so he, it looks like him and Tremaine Edmonds, who's at ninth overall linebacker right now, are being way, way overhyped. Like, I, sure, I think that these two guys, plus Rashawn Evans, plus Derwin James, will probably be in that 3 or 4% that make it their rookie year and are draftable and will go on to be studs. But they're not better than... There, there are guys behind them that are veterans that are reliable that have been doing this for years that you know you're going to get a good floor with and people are just rolling this dice uh rolling these dice i, I think that's a little crazy uh so let me comment here real quick i will throw out there that when you're looking at uh my fantasy league um adp it is generally going to be dyna like very heavily weighted toward dynasty because most people who are doing redraft are doing ESPN, Yahoo, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Whereas like that stuff is not inviting to dynasty players at all. So like my fantasy league is kind of the go-to for most dynasty players. So when you're looking at ADP, you got to kind of look at it through that dynasty lens a little bit. Now that said, like your point stands that even looking at it through a dynasty lens, like there are definitely players on here that the ADP is skewed. The thing that I would take note of with this though, is that when you're looking at dynasty ADP with linebackers specifically with, with a position that's so positionally or it's so situationally dictated, um, you're going to see a lot more of the young studs kind of moving up toward the top there just because so many of the actual top producers are replaceable the following year. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where you look at, you look at some of the guys that just kind of like, like to hear Whitehead a couple of years ago, like was a huge tackling producer, but it, and he would have outscored probably what Roquan Smith is going to outscore this year. But if you have to pick one of them to have for the duration of your league, you're going to take Roquan Smith because at any point, Tier Whitehead could end up being a backup somewhere, you know? Yeah, right. Absolutely. So uh, just something to take note of with oh, this. Yeah, sure. And, and we use my fantasy league for the dynasty we just signed up in. So I, I it makes sense. Uh, but there were some other things that I thought were kind of interesting. Schobert did take a dive. He's gone down a little bit from where I've seen him, um, which that's good to see. People are starting to figure it out that Michael Kendricks may just straight up take his job. <laughs> Never mind still playing time. Like, he may not have a job coming this season. Uh, Reuben Foster was actually a lot closer to the, the first overall than I thought he should be with all the red flags there. We've talked about that. Um, at their current ADPs, Ogle, uh, excuse me, Ogletree and uh, Zach Brown are absolute steals right now. 
uh, the amount of production you're going to get out of those guys for where they're going in these drafts is just a, a beautiful bargain at the moment. Um, move, that was some of the linebacker stuff. Uh, I figured we'd do it one position at a time. Did you guys see anything else in the uh, My Fantasy League that piqued your attention linebacker-wise? I think it's interesting seeing Ruben Foster and Jared Davis with an ADP of less than a point apart. Um, just because yeah. they were the they were the two top linebackers drafted last. Yeah, I think they were the only two first round linebackers taken last year. I could be wrong on that, but either way, um, it was the Lions were debating between Foster and Davis, or at least Lions fans had a debate going between Foster and Davis. It seems like the Lions didn't really have any debate whatsoever, but so it is interesting to see a year later that they're within one point of each other, um, ADP wise. And just, it'll be interesting to track that and see where their careers go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even though there might be, you know, some skewing based on, um, where the data for these are getting pulled from, whether it be dynasty redraft, whatever, um, I think going in and reading Gary's take on it is really important just because it's driving in a lot of the information like this article. If you go through and you click all the links that he has to, you know, his sources that he's pulling the information from. I mean, this article will take you an hour or two to get through just because it's so jam packed. So going in there, you really kind of set yourself up really well for a draft or um, the, the start of the fantasy year just taking a look at it, going through and and getting the information because it kind of covers between linebackers, um, defensive backs, defensive lines, like almost all the relevant information you would be looking for. Yeah, yep, definitely. And, and it gets you up to speed on some of the things of why people are dropping or, or why they should drop or why they should be higher. Uh, looking at the defensive line section of the My Fantasy League stuff, I, I saw two things that really stood out. J.J. Watt, uh, way too high for me, and uh, Miles Garrett also, like, way up there, too. Like, uh, there's apparently a lot of confidence in these guys. And, and sure, Garrett, we didn't get to see a full season from him. He was dinged up most of the year, so we don't really know what he's capable of in the NFL. But J.J. Watt, uh, I don't know. We haven't seen a full season out of him in almost three years now. So I, I feel like those two are a bit of a risk, but looking at specifically the defensive line rankings, a lot of them looked like what we always see and looked pretty good. Like Bosa was first, Khalil Mack was up there, uh, Chandler Jones was up there, Vic Beasley was up there with their switch to DE. Did you guys see anything else in defensive line that uh, tickled your fancy? Um, I just was looking at um, his take on Ezekiel Ansah, and he he is on target as far as my opinion, and I might be even lower on him. Um, now, we've got the whole uh, defense in Detroit kind of changing due to Matt Patricia coming in and kind of switching things up to be a little more uh, amorphous, I guess, uh, where you know he's going to uh, set the, the um, defense based on the opponent and stuff like that. He also has some uh, good background in creating pass rush and all that stuff, which all of this kind of says good things for Ansa owners. Um, but the problem I'm having um, is the fact that Ansa has uh, Anthony Zettel and Kerry Hyder behind him that are going to, you know, if, if you've been playing IDP for the last two years, you can remember when, Anthony Zettel was a good play or Kerry Hyder was a really good play for sacks. 
Um, these guys are are gonna get their turn. They're gonna get in there, and um, and that's gonna take away from Ansa a bit, as well as um, Ansa might have been you know given money, but he was tagged uh during this off season, which is more the Lions saying we don't want to lose him rather than them signing him for money and saying, we want to keep him like we, we want him specifically. So, and uh, Sean, you might have a different take on this, but to me, I don't think that's as much of a vote of confidence. It is definitely prove it money, but it's not like getting a one year deal. Right. It's definitely not a vote of confidence, but at the same time, like it is a prove it year. And that, is something that I don't know. I, I never really believed in prove it years or anything like that, but to me, unless we're talking Doug Martin, apparently, but um, <laughs> to me, I don't think that that should be a detriment to his value either. I think that mm-hmm. what I think that what the situation with Ansa is that he hasn't been healthy. And if he can come out and play healthy, we might see a different player than what we saw the last two years. Now, is he going to be healthy? I don't know. Can he stay healthy? I don't know. Um, but I'm not necessarily as down on him as everybody else. Mm. So, Fair enough. Gotcha. Uh, moving on to the defensive backs. Uh, first thing that stuck out to me, I mean, obviously the, the normal guys are there. Collins, Jones, uh, Keanu Neal. Uh, Kevin Biard was up there. I like to see that. Uh, the Buda Baker, Derwin James hype is apparently off the goddamn charts. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What, what are they, like fifth and sixth, something like yeah, that? Yeah, right behind Landon Collins, Rashad Jones, and Keanu Neal. Yeah, yeah. And that's your dynasty crew there because you yeah. got Jamal Adams two spots down. Yep. And then you got Marshawn Lattimore up there too. Like, you're looking at the dynasty crowd picking their safeties early. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, this will obviously be a little different if it came to uh, redraft. But, uh, I mean, hey, I, I hope Buda Breaker and Derwin James work out, too. They're on my rankings as well. What I did see was that uh, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are steals where they're at right now. And uh, Sean was talking about that earlier, how uh, they're going to have, you know, just as good, if not better, years as they had last year. Uh, the Buffalo offense should regress. There should be more snaps available. And their linebacking core is going to have a second-year guy in Matt Milano and a first-year guy in Tremaine Edmonds. So the safeties can pick up some of that slack and get more production. And shit, last year they had plenty of production. So uh, those those guys are looking great where they are. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, just to add on here, we're talking about ADPs and stuff. And, you know, you're probably out there. You're getting ready for your drafts coming in, what, you know, uh, a month, maybe two months. If you do it like us, we do it after the third preseason game. Um, but you should be, you know, you're probably shopping around for some some rankings. And uh, if you go to the idpguys.org, we have uh, John did full rankings for uh, linebackers, um, defensive. Did you you broke out? tackles and and ends right yeah yeah so uh linebackers defensive tackle defensive ends and safeties yep um those are rankings where we might be moving some of the stuff around but if you go there's a a drop down box if you hover over rankings and you can get in there and get those rankings um as well as uh we've got rankings from gary van dyke you know at h bogart 27 on twitter um, under his IDP tipster 
tag um, on, at the top bar. You just hover over it. It brings it in. And he did um, he did combined rankings with tiers. So it's got linebackers, defensive backs, and defensive linemen, um, which so it's not broken out. But you can go through and you can kind of see where he values like uh, a tier one linebacker and, you know, a tier one defensive end kind of um, where they all fit in. So, you know, use that. You as can a also resource. filter by position. FYI. Yeah. Yeah. You can filter by position. It's, it's a pretty nice setup. It's a, a widget he has through fantasy pros, which is pretty cool. Um, so there are those rankings as well as Sean has offensive rankings that are on the website as well. So use that and as a resource when you're doing your um, your drafting. Johnny the Greek. Okie dokie. So uh, World Cup's going on, and uh, I was going to bring you some bets with that, but uh, it's it's just it's the first match of in the first fixture, so I still don't even know who's playing exactly for every team yet. You don't really know that until the first game, so I'll bring you that next week for you guys. What I did see that piqued my curiosity was uh, there are now bets out there on where LeBron James will go next year, <laughs> uh, and right now the the one that kind of piqued my interest is. It's 30 to one that he'll remain in Cleveland. So $10 would get you 300. And that seems like for a few reasons, a really good bet. A, the only max contract he can get is like the best max contract he can get would be through Cleveland. Uh, B, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are coming available. If Cleveland can make a move for them, the super team, quote unquote, stays intact and he can stay in Cleveland. C, he has small kids. Uh, You know, it's not like he's, raring to move them away from all their friends and start over fresh somewhere. So I think that's a great bet. But uh, also on here were the Lakers, plus 200. That's obviously the most likely they think. So that's like uh, $10 gets you 20. 76ers are plus 350. So that's like $10 gets you 35. Uh, Houston's plus 1,000. So that's a good money bet. San Antonio's plus 2,000. So, you know, if you're a gambling degenerate like me, you can, <laughs> you can lay some odds on this. But I'm thinking he stays either in Cleveland or goes to L.A. Nice. Nice. I like that. Um, I think that I like the Cleveland bet um, because I think you have a 50, 50 shot of whether or not he leaves. Um, so that that's pretty good odds. Yep. So, but with that, that wraps up another show. Um, make sure and follow us on Twitter at IDP guys. Individually. I'm at Nate cheat. John is at orange man, three, one, four, two. And Sean is at Lanny one, nine, two, five. Um, subscribe to the show. Uh, if you can, if you're on iTunes, please give us a review. Let us know um, if you're a new listener. We really want to know about that too. So subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever, whatever podcast podcatcher you enjoy most. Uh, as well as you know, this is a labor of love for us. We would love it um, if you you know if if you're interested in helping us out. Uh, we set up a Patreon account uh it's patreon.com slash idp guys uh you can find that on our website so you know check it out we give some pretty good perks um as far as you know a dollar a month will get you access to our um what is that thing called again discord channel. yeah our discord channel uh which includes uh some writers gary's in there 
Um, and you can chat with us, get some uh, exclusive one-on-one contact. And uh, as far as only Patreon account holders can be in there, um, other people can check it out and see what is being discussed, but will not be able to um, comment or message in the chat room. Um, but with that, so we were talking last night, and I can't remember, but your nickname came up um, and changed it to Johnny the Deuce. Uh, no, do you remember? No, no, it's the Deutsch, as in Deutschland, Germany. Johnny the Deuce. 